When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, sit here. Thanks. Hey, I saw you give up your seat for the woman with the oxygen tank. Another way to show her your good side? Donate at Griffles Plasma, because she also relies on plasma-based medicines. Find a center at grifflesplasma.com. You can receive up to $800 this month. Hey, I get it. I used to be the one planning my day around finding a bathroom and living in fear of an accident. I tried the pills and pads, but they just weren't working for me. If you're living like I was, it's time to find an expert physician and ask them about Axonics therapy. It's not another drug. It's an advanced therapy that is proven to provide lasting relief for overactive bladder. Still not sure? You can even try it first to make sure it works for you. You're not alone and you don't have to put up with this anymore. You just have to take the first step towards finding real relief. Visit findrealrelief.com to find a bladder specialist. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. Risks can result from Axonics therapy that may require surgical intervention. Available by prescription only. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. Fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's time to look ahead on a look ahead Wednesday. The fantasy first half preview for week eight. We are halfway through the fantasy football regular season. And thank you for tuning in to the MD's fantasy football show to go over it. Thanks for watching on our YouTube channel. Subscribe if you haven't already done so, so you get notified when we have new content available. We're also live on bellyup.tv. Check us out on the man on your Roku, LG, Samsung, or Fire TV devices when you download the Fox D Network app and stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. And download on your favorite podcast app. We're widely available to you. Give us that five-star review to help us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Meter. And as always, we have Brian Scott to kick off the Wednesday part of it. But we do have a little bit of new news that I do have to announce here. The intern Danielle is no longer the intern Danielle anymore. She's now co-host Danielle. And she'll be doing this with me on Wednesday nights. Very happy to have you on on a full-time basis, and we'll be able to bounce back off of each other from now to the rest of the season, hopefully. 
I don't even know where that came from. Is that Brian? That was me. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> sir. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's big news. Big news. It is huge news. So, Danielle, I mean, people have seen you before, but just fully introduce yourself once again. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Danielle Dubois. I have been the intern running this for producing this show for the past few months. Uh, I'm a sophomore at Emerson College, and I'm really excited to be here. She's been excellent, and uh, I couldn't hold her down anymore. Or I was gonna, I was gonna lose her. I mean, I had to promote her, so <laughs> that's why we got Danielle here on the show with us. Uh, of course, Brian. Brian, how are you doing, man? I'm feeling better than I was last time we were here, so that's cool. good. Improvements, right? That's that's what we always that's talk right. about. Injuries. Right. We want to see progression. Uh, speaking of injury inquiries, oh. oh, oh. Unfortunately, I just want to dive into it. One player that we're not going to expect much progression from, at least until next year, is going to be Brees Hall. But what were you seeing with that ACL injury? Can we expect him back towards the early of next year, or is next year shot too? Um, it's going to be difficult. Do we know? I, I And I don't know. I apologize. Did he have surgery yet, as far as we know? You know, that's a good question. I honestly did not get that news alert. I, I don't know. I, I think I would have he if he did. So. My guess is he didn't, but the only reason I, I would say that is because it was reported that not only did he have the ACL injury, but he also tore his meniscus. And in a lot of these instances, um, that could sometimes delay the time to surgery because of uh, swelling inside the knee. Um, that can also potentially delay his return to sport because if they of what they need to do to that meniscus, if anything. Now, Sometimes they'll go in and just debride it or clean it. But if it's something that they may try to repair, then that's going to prolong his recovery. And if that's the case, you know, already you're looking at at least a nine to 10 month recovery that could possibly push it, push it out to a year or more, um, which means, you know, we're already week seven here, week eight. Um, that's potentially a, a quarter of the season, a third of the season next year, too. So uh, not good if you're a Jets fan, not good for Brees Hall. Uh, we could be seeing an extended absence uh, with him. Yeah, and that was kind of just just from listening to you over, you know, we've gotten to know each other now for nearly you know, two months, actually a little over two months at this point. And, and just listening to you when you talk about these ACL injuries and what to look for, this are, this automatically jumped out to me as an injury that he's not going to be back for at the beginning of next year. And that now him and Javante Williams, two young studs, both, might not be back at the beginning of next season. We might not be talking about them from redraft. And from Dynasty, it has its own problems because now teams might look to bring in other running backs for help going into next season when they might not have originally. So now that will reduce their fantasy value even when they do return. So things we'll have to keep in mind throughout the year. But for now, unfortunately, Brees Hall is gone. We will talk about in this show Michael Carter and, of course, the trade acquisition of James Robinson and what that all means later. But I do have to get through more of these injury uh, news alerts. These two, though, I don't, Brian, I'm not even sure I need you for this one. Andrew, knee, and Bateman Foot. It's no different than what they've been dealing with and played through on Sunday. The only thing we're keeping our eyes on as of this moment is that they are so questionable heading into this game. And technically, we're not really listed for practice, even though there wasn't much practice to even talk about because it's a Thursday night game. My anticipation is that they'll both play because they both got out of the game on Sunday without getting reported setbacks. But something we'll have to watch. Follow us on social media at MDFF Show. We'll keep you up to date. This I do need you for, Brian. So Ezekiel Elliott comes away with a knee sprain, but not a PCL sprain. So what are we feeling with Ezekiel Elliott here? 
Yeah, I'm not too clear on what exactly which ligament he sprained. My guess it, it might have been an MCL, the ligament on the inside part of the knee, just from watching some of the footage. Um, did not practice today, and there's been some reports that have just come out recently, like within the last few hours, suggesting he's not playing this weekend at all. So uh, definitely something to keep an eye on, but um, there have been some pretty um, – um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, um reporters who are very well known in the industry who have come out and said that oh, he's not playing. Yeah. There's some, definitely some beat reporters covering reliable this sources, reliable <laughs> sources. Yeah. Very closely who, who really, yeah, they, they pretty much reported this early on. Now Zeke himself came out this afternoon and said he's still hopeful to play, but we know what that means coming out of a player's mouth. We'll have to wait and see how that breaks down. Uh, Corey Davis, got hurt, and now all of a sudden Elijah Moore is back in good graces. Corey Davis not expected to play. We can move on from there. DeAndre Swift. So he practiced in full today. I guess that's the good news. Uh, like, are we going to get DeAndre Swift back finally or what? I I think so. I mean, I we were kind of predicting he would be back last week, but uh, was limited in practice all last week leading up to this weekend and then ended up not playing. Uh, so, you know, seeing him back full uh, again going into this weekend, we have no reason to believe he won't play. So uh, I do expect him to be out there. And then his teammate, St. Brown. Now, there's been a lot of talk that St. Brown got cleared of any concussion during the game on Sunday and yet's rolled out for the rest of the day anyway, already back at practice today. So what's your expectation for him going into Sunday? But also, what's your take on these guys who are getting cleared during games but still having to sit out? Yeah, I, I think it's it's all kind of stemming from the Tua situation. Um, not really sure what the uh, science is behind it, if there is any. I think it's more kind of a gut feeling kind of thing, and uh, everybody looking to stay out of trouble. But um, uh, he apparently, according to the team, is or is working his way through the concussion protocol, and was a limited participant in practice today, wearing a red jersey, suggesting that he's non-contact. Um, but then they said he's expected to play. It sounds like they might have just put him non-contact just as a precaution. Um, which is fine because part of the concussion protocol doesn't necessarily say you have to have a, a contact drills to be cleared. It just says you have to get through physical exertion in order to uh, symptom free to be kind of cleared and off the protocol. So it sounds like he probably is cleared off the protocol, should play. They're just kind of taking him along slow and um, kind of, you know, not making him uh, have to do any contact this weekend. But the good news with him is that uh, his ankle injury is no longer listed as part of the injury list so right. uh, it sounds like he's kind of fully recovered from that yeah that that's the good news there so if he's good to go this week i expect him to be fully good to go and hopefully he doesn't get taken out because of another con- quote-unquote concussion injury again on sunday but that's something we have to watch out for and we just have to kind of roll with the punches on that one not much you can do james connor came back to practice today in a limited capacity i believe was the official listing his teammate darrell williams did too but we were really only care about James Conner. So what do you think with this rib issue? What are you looking for out of him in order for him to go on Sunday? Um, uh, you know, this is the first time he's had any practice in any capacity since his week five injury, which, uh, you know, shows you how sometimes significant rib injuries can be. Um, if he can get through the rest of the week on in a limited fat, I'm hopeful that if he can get at least one full practice under his belt, we should see him. Um, I'm a little more skeptical, though, if he only practices limited this week. Um, I think that's the key thing to look for with him. If if he can get through a full practice, doesn't necessarily have to be contact, but if he can get through a full practice, I think you'll see him out there this Sunday. If it, if he stays limited through the week, it may be a game-time decision. We may not see him. 
Michael Thomas still can't really get back on the field. We had different reports say saying, oh, we briefly saw him when the team was warming up and stretching, and then he disappeared like Houdini or something, apparently, and it got listed as it did not practice, ultimately speaking. Correct. Yeah, he, we, apparently he was in house and he was uh, visible and and they did spot him, uh, but uh, did not participate in any. Like, where's Waldo? <laughs> exactly. Um, my guess is that while they started his stretching, he was summoned back into the training room to start his treatment and rehab. So, but other than that, man, I don't really see any uh, foreseeable start in his future or, or playing. I mean, well, here's a question for you: that if he's still hanging around the team and he's getting his treatment at the facility. Do you think that that denies any rumors about him needing surgery at some point? Well, I mean, I think we mentioned, or maybe I mentioned this a few weeks ago, I was kind of surprised that if at this point they haven't already put him on IR and made some type of roster move, um, maybe they just couldn't because of all the other roster moves they've had to make this year because of injury. Um, they might have been out of their allot- allotments to IR, so that's a problem for them if they're stuck with him on the active roster and they can't do anything. Um, but you know, uh, this again could be one of those things where maybe they're just doing whatever they can to avoid any type of surgery. Uh, it sounds like in early on in this injury, he had several different opinions and sought out some, uh, multiple medical opinions, but never pulled the trigger. So, um, hard to say for sure what's going on with the, the reports that we were hearing out of the Saints camp. But, um, you know, again, the big toe, the great toe, which is the one he's injured, is a very important, mechanically speaking, for wide receivers, especially when you have to pivot, change direction, um, explode off your feet to make, you know, sprint. Um, so it's not a good sign uh, that he's still out and hasn't been able to do anything, even in a limited fashion. I'm going to skip over the Jameis Winston one because that's going to have more to do with analysis that Danielle and I will get into later. Uh, what about Russell Wilson? Partially torn hamstring. Now, Brian, tell me, when you do four hours of stretching, you know, claiming you did four hours of stretching on an airplane, yeah. does that actually get you ready with a partially torn hamstring? Uh, probably not. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I doubt he was able to do much running up and down an aisle of a, a jetliner. What are you um, talking about? He's doing high knees. Doing high <laughs> knees up and down the aisle. Everybody was sleeping, apparently. Okay, uh, yeah, he did, exactly. he, but he was quoted as saying that he's ready to rock, end quote, um, in London this weekend. So, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll have to see. But the funny thing is, they're like, torn hamstring. Uh, that's what a hamstring strain essentially is. So he strained his hamstring. Um, when they throw the word tear in there, I don't know if they're trying to hype it up a little bit more than what it actually Absolutely is. Absolutely they are. Have you met <laughs> Russell Wilson and his PR team? <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably not as bad as the word tear might make it sound. Uh, it's a hamstring strain, but he's he's been saying he's feeling good. And apparently uh, during the eight-hour flight to London, he spent, according to some teammates, about four hours doing the high knees through the aisle, although he doesn't seem to think it was that much time that he spent. But, you know, hey, uh, with, with, the, with the travel and everything – uh, it's going to be difficult to get him ready, uh, but uh, reports are that he is uh, going to gonna play. So it's 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 because he has that Wolverine blood, apparently that none of us can get access to. Uh, last but not least, Shuba Hubbard he injured his ankle on Sunday. The report initially was that he could have came back to the game, but did not practice today. Yeah, well, I, I, whether or not he was able to come back in the game, I don't know, but they definitely held him out when he got injured. Uh, did not practice today. Um, this could be, again, one of those things that you got to watch for his participation in the week heading up into the weekend. Um, you know, ankle sprains take on a, a lot of different degrees of severity. Uh, it really depends how much swelling he has and how much pain he's in and what he's going to be able to do, uh, even on a limited basis, as we get closer to the, the weekend here. So uh, something to keep an eye on as a Panthers fan and uh, if you have him on your roster. 
Keep a lookout for that. We'll get into that and more uh, coming up soon. But first, Brian, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for keeping us up to date, keeping our feet on the ground. What are you up to this week, man? And, and where can we follow you? Yeah, uh, same as usual this week. Follow me on uh, uh, Twitter at host Brian Scott, Instagram, Facebook, The Injured List Podcast, my website, theinjuredlist.com. I actually have two articles out last week, uh, one with Andrew LaDuck, which I do on a weekly basis called Inside the Medical Tent, and we'll be doing one again this week. But I also released an article about OBJ and uh, what what my medical opinion is on his uh or proposed return to the NFL here. Supposedly week 11, I think, is when he might actually be cleared. And there's been a lot of discussion about where he's going to sign, who's going to pick him up. Um, and, you know, in my article, I kind of talk about what you can expect uh, from him as uh, far as contributions go and why from a medical standpoint. So check that out. It's on the uh, Belly Up Fantasy um, website. Excellent, Brian. Thanks as always coming on. We'll see you tomorrow at 10 p.m. Eastern. Sounds good, guys. Take care. Again, that's Brian Scott of the Injured List Podcast. Make sure you give him a follow and check out and download his podcast widely available to you. All right, Danielle, it's time for us to get into it, but we have a couple of questions right off the bat, so let's get to those first. We got Richard Hernandez. Thanks for tuning in, Richard, again. Naeem Hines worth starting as a flex over Kareem Hunt. Sure, I'm just as uninspired as any direction you can go here. But here's what I will say. Kareem Hunt, single-digit touches over the past two weeks. I think that is in anticipation of them trying to trade him, which if he makes it to the Sunday, will be no different. The, the deadline is November 1st, so it would be next Tuesday. If they're going to move him, it has to be sometime between now and then. So if they are trying to move him, I don't think he's going to get that many touches again this week. So, sure, if that's your choice, I would go Naeem Hines. But what do you think, Danielle? You're talking about two running backs here that are very similar statistically in fantasy. I don't think there's really a wrong answer, but if I were to choose, I would probably say Hines just because he's going against the Commanders and Hunt is going against the Bengals. So I'd rather take Hines, but kind of a 50-50 shot. I think both will get you probably about nine points. Yeah, it's probably a safe projection. Uh, Hernandez also asked Michael Thomas or Cortland Sutton. I'm guessing you asked that in jest. I don't know because we just talked about we don't expect Michael Thomas to play just yet. It, in in Narnia world, in, ca- in case he was going to play this week, uh, my advice would still be Cortland Sutton because we don't know where he would be at health-wise and Chris Olave's taking over this field. This is what I'm going to ask you, Danielle, for this question. Rest of season, let's say Michael Thomas comes back within the next couple of weeks. Does he overtake... Chris Olave, or is Chris Olave stayed the number one receiver in the Saints as far as your opinion goes? I think Olave would stay the number one wide receiver. He's been very consistent on the Saints offense. And I mean, like you kind of said, when Michael Thomas comes back, nobody really knows how he is going to be. And I really feel like they'll probably give him a shot at number one wide receiver just because he has been on the Saints for so long. And if he does great, then yeah, sure, that'll be your number one guy. But most likely, I think Sutton will be number one. Uh, we're going to squeeze one more question here before we get started. Caden, the Colts fan, Brady or Swift the rest of the year? A very odd question. I don't normally get asked the rest of your questions from two different positions. Uh, but DeAndre Swift, uh, it's kind of case closed for me on that one. What about you? Yeah, DeAndre Swift. Brady has not had a great fantasy season. Take it from somebody who has him on their team. It's kind of been rough. <laughs> Okay, we get we're getting a spell correction here. 
uh, from Caden. So this makes a lot more sense. So Brady or Tua Tagalovoa for the rest of the season? That's a good question. That makes a more lot more sense of a question. Yes. Um, yeah, look, it'd have to be it had to be Tua for me because right now the Dolphins offense looks like it knows what it is. And I'm going based off of that. I still think Tom Brady could be better than Tua. Don't get me twisted. The volume's there. The talent's there. But they just look lost. And until we see a sign of them being able to turn this thing around, I just can't go there with you. Where in Tua's case, the Dolphins every bit know who they are and what they want to do and how they want to attack. And it's working right now. So I would go slight edge to Tua here. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I think both of them would be pretty average, not going to lie. I feel like if you're going to have one that breaks out more than the other, it would most likely be Tua because he has Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, and the Bucks just don't seem to know what an offense is anymore. So Tua would be a more consistent option. Okay, so let's dive into our first segment here. Keep your questions coming. We'll get to them as we're able to squeeze them in. But we got our first four matchups for the look ahead Wednesday, the first half preview of week eight, when there's only two teams on by. So we're only missing like one game here this week. So it's really going to be close to a normal week for us. So it makes the rankings a little bit easier some of the time. We'll get through it. You'll see. Uh, but first up, of course, we got the Thursday night game, the Ravens versus the Buccaneers. Then we got the London game. That's right. Make sure you're waking up or have your roster set. Although, not a lot of fantasy power on either one of these teams because it's the Denver Broncos and it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Then you got the Carolina Panthers versus the Atlanta Falcons and the Chicago Bears versus the Dallas Cowboys. So the first four matchups we're going to talk about in this segment. So let's kick it off with our obvious starters. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. <laughs> There's only one of all the positions of these teams. I only have one obvious guy that you're locking into your lineups no matter what who's elite right now and he's even coming off of a terrible game mark andrews my tight end one there's no travis kelsey look i don't know how much with a knee injury he's being hindered and it could be significant but i do know the ravens have to do something through the air they have to get and Mark Andrews the ball. It is a good matchup for tight ends against Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are bottom 15 against the tight end position. So he's my number one guy, and you have to play him no matter what as long as he is active. But man, it was brutal last week, Danielle. Yeah, it's rough, and it hasn't been a good tight end year at all in fantasy. Unless you have Kelsey or Andrews, you've been kind of helpless in the tight end role this year, and Mark Andrews last week did not have a good week, so that put a lot of my Mark Andrews um, owners really at um, kind of a helpless point. I know so many people who lost because Mark Andrews and many other star players did not do well last week, but... Lock him in because who else would you lock in for that role? Yeah, Rashad Bateman did me uh, no favors either. So since we only had one player to talk about with the obvious starters, we'll squeeze another question in here real quick. Back to Caden, the Colts fan. Uh, 12-man PPR. He's got Brady. He's got Derrick Henry. He's got Dalvin Cook. He's got CeeDee Lamb. DeAndre Hopkins. Chris Godwin. I'm assuming that's A.J. Brown. I don't know what Brown that is. There's a lot of Browns out there, man. Goddard. <laughs> boy, who can I package to get a better quarterback? I wouldn't. Plain and simple, I wouldn't. I would not give up that depth for a good quarterback. Here's here's a big, big thing going on in fantasy football right now. Unless you have a top three guy, right now top four, because we can start to throw Joe Burrow into that mix too, I think. 
If you don't have a top four guy, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, even Lamar Jackson sitting outside right now looking at five, you already are in the same conversation with everybody else already. There's no difference between that QB6 and that QB18 right now. That's the reality that we live in. And if that's going to be the factor, unless you can get an upper echelon quarterback, but then it would cost you too much depth for the rest of your team. I'm sticking with Brady and whatever you can stream off of that and hoping that he can get it turned around. But what do you think, Danielle? Would you package some of that for a quarterback? I would not. You have a great team with lots of depth. Whatever you're lacking, whatever points Brady is not getting you, I'm guaranteed you can make up through the depth that you have on your team. And Caitlin saying, everyone I talk to says Brady should be dropped. Yeah, him and every other quarterback should be dropped. So this is why you're listening to this show and not the rest of those knuckleheads. Uh, let's let's go back into this. Now we got our lock em ins, and there's a lot more players to talk about in our lock em in section, thankfully. Lock em in. It's a lock. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents Cool Sheets from AHA to Lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my AHA moment, bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoiced. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. First and foremost, Lamar Jackson just kind of mentioned him a little bit here. And he comes in this week as my QB5 on the week. Lamar Jackson can run. And that's why he'll always be in the conversation of a top six fantasy football quarterback, even though... He's been QB 17 the last three weeks. It's been absolutely brutal trying to watch him throw the ball. I don't put this all on him. Greg Roman evolves at the rate of a dinosaur, which means he'll be extinct sometime in the next year, probably next year or two, maybe even after this season. Who knows? But for right now, Lamar has to do something. At least the Tampa Bay defense, especially in their secondary, is coming in banged up into this matchup. We expect... We don't have the official news yet, but we expect Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman will be able to go in this game. He'll have Duvernay and maybe Gus Edwards solidifying that run game will also help them out a little bit too. The ultimate thing is this. I can't in good conscience tell you to bench Lamar Jackson when he can rush for over 100 yards and a touchdown at any given moment. But Danielle, what do you think? Are you locking in Lamar Jackson to your lineups? 
I am locking him in. He is a really great quarterback. And I know at the very beginning of the season, people were talking about him for MVP. That conversation has obviously kind of died down a little bit more now. But with a lot of those offensive weapons coming back, way more healthier, but like way ready to go. I feel like Jackson could have a really great game. Also, we saw that Tampa did not do well last week. They might be riding that train again this week if they cannot figure out what to do in their offense, what to do in their defense. So Lamar might have a really great game. Yeah, it's got to happen at some point, right? 14.66 fantasy points over the last three games. He's averaged brutal. That's got to get better. What about our lock him in running backs? So I am still locking in Leonard Fournette. Again, lots of guys coming off of brutal weeks that you have to continue to play. Look, before last week, Leonard Fournette didn't have a bus game. That was his first one. So I'm not really too worried about Leonard Fournette. I will say this, however. Rashad White could be a spark that maybe they want to get more involved. And I talked about that during the Sunday Funday recap show that aired on Monday night. And airs every Monday night, by the way, at 10 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. What I talked about there was that Rashad White is a really explosive player who can be a simple dump-off pass and make something happen. And this looks like an offense that needs something to spark them out of the rut, out of the coma that they're in. That's a guy who could do it, which means he could wind up playing a little bit more. But even if he does, and I've talked about this several times now, Leonard Fournette's not going to get pigeonholed. So ultimately, even if this winds up being a split, he'll still probably be an RV2 at the very least. But right now, I'm definitely locking him in to my lineups here. Yes, Leonard Fournette has a great player. Like you said, he had not had a bad week until last week. That's guaranteed to happen to every fantasy player, as you know. So, I mean, I don't really see a downside to him. I feel like he is one of the core pieces of talent on the Tampa Bay offense. He's been good every single week. Even when everybody else is hurt, he's getting those passes. He's getting that pickup. Split time doesn't really mean too much for him. You'll still get some good points for him for an RB2. Uh, Travis Etienne, and we got to talk about this. So James Robinson ships off. He goes to the New York Jets. We'll talk about that later on in the show in just a minute. With Travis Etienne on this side of the ball with Jacksonville, look, we kind of got a taste of it on Sunday. He already had taken over that backfield. James Robinson didn't even register a carry and only had one target throughout the entire game. He's been running very effectively. Now, they don't have the best matchup. They're going against the Denver Broncos. That That's a tough one, and it'll be a real test to see, okay, now that you're the guy, what do you do now? Now that you're not going to be in there on you know third and longs or less boxes and shotgun, what do you do now? Are you this efficient against a good run team that knows you're the one getting the ball on first and second early work downs? That's my question. I think he's talented enough. There's two things that I find interesting slash concerning with Travis Etienne. The first thing is, I don't know if he really has the body build to hold up if he's going to get that kind of workload that we're thinking he might wind up with now for the rest of the season. While in the, if you just looked at his, you know, profile picture, let's say, and you, you see his size and you see his weight, you're like, well, that's okay. It's his build that bothers me. It's a lean build for a guy who might be taking on a great deal of punishment. The second thing is, He's only averaging about three targets a game, which is not what we expected Travis Etienne's true value to come in at. So maybe he'll be a little bit more involved, but it's not like James Robbins was taking those away. So what's your thoughts, Danielle? If I were to say to you, maybe we should be selling high on Travis Etienne while his value's through the roof now before one of those two things kicks in and it drives it down. I can see you getting probably a good 
good few round picks there for him. But I mean, if I'm the person with Etienne, I'm I'm trying to keep him. I mean, honestly, I think he's a pretty good RB two. If you have Derrick Henry for your RB one or another really consistent guy, having him as a number two running back is not a bad thing at all. We did see him take a little bit more carries this last week. He got 18.9 points. That's not bad for an RB2. For an RB2, that is pretty good. You want someone who's a little bit more consistent. And I think him being the RB1 now in Jacksonville, I think you can see those points start to build up over time. And I think you'll see those averaging 16, 18 point weeks. In favor of your argument, he does have a decent schedule after we get done with the Denver Broncos. And I will say this, if you make it to the championship game, he's got a pretty sweet matchup against Houston Texans in that one, too. So something to kind of keep in mind on. Yes, I am starting to look at where you need to start looking at playoff matchups. Now we're at the halfway points. The other guys I'm locking in and this kind of it's hard to give full analysis on this because it's Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. And obviously this is going to be fluent with whether Zeke's able to play this week or not. Either way, though, I got Tony Pollard inside the top 24 because if Zeke does play, he'll probably be a little bit limited. And Pollard's been getting double-digit carries the past couple of weeks anyway. If Elliott can't go, well, guess what? Pollard probably becomes borderline top 12, low-end RB1 play, most likely for me. And the only reason I'm even a little bit hesitant is because Chicago's actually been pretty decent against the run over the past few weeks. So maybe they give him somewhat of a hard time. But this would be everything Tony Pollard owners have been waiting for this entire time if Zeke does, in fact, miss this game. But I will say this to you Tony Pollard lovers out there. If he does miss this game, it'll only be this game. It's not like this is the major injury that you're waiting for. So just kind of throw that out there. But your take on the Dallas Cowboy backfield for this week. Yeah, I mean, if Zeke does play, we'll see the offense that we've kind of seen all season with the split running back situation. But if he doesn't, it will be nice to see Pollard have kind of a breakout game. But like you said, Chicago has started to figure out their run defense a little bit because we saw it this past week against the Patriots, which was a really bad show to begin with. You can talk to me later about that as a Patriots fan. Oh, we will. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) But seeing Stevenson, who is a great running back in my eyes, who kind of pushes through everybody, he couldn't get through anybody. So that is a huge concern if I'm the owner of a Cowboys running back for this week. Let's talk about some of our lock them in wide receivers. And uh, I got to say, I, the, these guys I'm locking in, I don't necessarily feel all great about, but you kind of have to. That's Mike Evans. That's Chris Godwin. And it's CD Lamb. So CD Lamb is the only one I have ranked inside my top 12. I got him at wide receiver 11. Mike Evans at my wide receiver 14. Chris Godwin at my wide receiver 22. Why am I lumping all three into the same conversation? Because all three have the same analysis. The volume's there. The targets are there. The upside right now is not. But you have to plug and play them anyway because they're too important and getting too much of a significant volume within their offense to ignore. So we'll split this off a little bit in our conversation. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, this lumps into the whole, will Tom Brady, will the Bucks offense turn it around? Questions we don't necessarily have the answers to yet. The one I want to get into is C.D. Lamb on his side. So Dak comes back against the Detroit Lions, and you're hoping that, okay, maybe the offense will open up a little bit more. Yes, it's first week back, but it's Detroit. No, I watched a team do exactly how they played offense with Cooper Rush with Dak Prescott back there, and I found myself wondering, 
hmm, there's about a $40 million difference between the two, and yet the offense looks exactly the same. Now, look, I know it's his first week back. I'm not trying to dump on the guy already. Yes, I'm a little bit pissy because I had C.D. Lamb last week. I understand. It's a little bit personal for me. Chicago this week, it should be a good matchup on paper, but it's also a bad team. It's another team that the Dallas defense could just dominate. Danielle, is is Dallas Cowboy offense, are they going to open things up if they don't have to just to get this offense going, or are they just they're just content running the clock and letting their defense win the game? I feel like the Cowboys are never content with anything that they're doing. They're always saying that this is their year and they're pushing for something. So if they can, they want their offense to open up. They The Cowboys fans are ready to see Dak back in action. They love that guy, except for when Cooper Rush came in, they said he was going to be the next Tom Brady. But now that he's back, they're all for Dak Prescott, and they're ready to see him in action. If the offense can open up, they will. I think C.D. Lamb will have a great game. But it really kind of depends on how Dak does. And if he plays like he did last week, you're not going to see anything special to this Cowboys team. It was just annoying. We'll we'll talk about Dak soon. I don't want to give all away, but it was just just annoying to see. But yet, can't be angry at the same time. We'll get more of that later on. Before we get to our lookout for players, uh, Caden back on the comment section. So Brady or Trevor Lawrence this week? Tom Brady. In fact, I have Trevor Lawrence right. You can't even see him on the graphic. I have him ranked so low this week against the Denver Broncos. So yes, definitely Tom Brady for me. What about you, Danielle? Yeah, I wouldn't bench Brady for Lawrence. Lawrence hasn't shown me anything that proves me otherwise. They're playing the Broncos. It's not going to be a great game. I say lock in Brady. Don't worry, we're about to talk about him a little bit more. Look out for... Lots of Brady questions tonight. It's time we finally talk about the guy. So look, pass attempts, he's the third quarterback right now. And you might as well make him second because the guy who's second is Matt Ryan who's now on the bench. So that's, that's out the window. So the volume's there. When I look at Tom Brady from a physical standpoint, he looks fine to me. He's throwing the ball with velocity. He's throwing it outside the hashes. He's throwing with anticipation. He's a little bit high on some of his throws. I think some of his fundamentals are a little bit off, and that's part of it. And that's also part of not trusting your offensive line, especially on the interior, to protect you. And that's what comes with that. He's got the weapons in place. He's got the same offensive coordinator. This is a situation to me that signals it should get better at some point. This isn't... Peyton Manning at the end of his career where it looked like he physically couldn't do anymore. This isn't Matt Ryan, who we just watched get benched this past week because he looks like he physically can't do it anymore. That's not what I see out of Tom Brady. So I maybe I'm an eternal optimist. Maybe I'm just afraid to say Tom Brady's washed. I don't know. But I tend to think this gets turns around. What about you? I think it can. And we've seen the potential there for Brady. It's not like he's not making those passes. We saw it this past week. He made an excellent pass to Mike Evans. That should have been a touchdown. Fortunately, Mike Evans didn't catch it. But we know that he is capable of that. We know Tom Brady is capable of having those comeback games, passing it 30 to 40 yards on the field. Nothing has shown us that he can't do that anymore. He might just be going through a dry spell. Who knows? Maybe his personal life is getting in his head. Maybe. I don't know. But I think he can figure it out and start to crank up those points. I will say this. If I was married to Giselle and she was leaving me, that would definitely get in my head. Uh, I do have Tom Brady ranked at QB9. So, look, I saw him in top 10. 
And if you're wondering, well, you're crazy. You shouldn't have that. Blah, 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 blah. Look at the list. Look at the group of players I have around him right now in the graphic. I got Kirk Cousins one spot ahead of him. That could be debatable. Derek Carr's right behind him. Daniel Jones right behind him. Dak Prescott's right behind him. Geno Smith with no DK Metcalf. We'll talk about that later. Is right behind him. Uh, it's what I talked about with the, with the, with the trade question that we had earlier in the show. Unless you have one of those top five quarterbacks, it's ugly out there, and you're left with guys that do you have the weapons? Do you have the volume? Does it look like you physically can do it? Does the offensive scheme in place? The answer is yes to all those things for me when it comes to Brady. So that's why I'm doubling down on him, and that's why I got him as a top 10 QB this week. Let's talk about another guy to have a lot of questions about, and we've kind of already alluded to a bit in this show, but that's Dak Prescott. So you already answered my one question about will they open things up. Here's what I will say. Last week, he was efficient, 19 to 25, 270 yards. I mean, that's that's 8.28 yards per attempt. That's he had 9.08 air yards per attempt. Those are good numbers. Those would usually get you some big plays. So that was what was the silver lining, I guess you could say, out of last week, even though ultimately the final stat line, of course, was disappointing. So I guess from that standpoint, we got to be okay. And I got him as my QB 12 against Chicago this week. Danielle, maybe answer this question. Am I too optimistic on Dak Prescott? I mean, I don't think so. He's capable of it. I mean, I don't, maybe it might not happen this week. Maybe he needs to take another week to get back into it. I'm not really sure. But I mean, he has the potential. We've seen it before. He did get 12 fantasy points last week. One point better than Tom Brady. I think that's just <laughs> how the quarterbacks are looking this year. Yeah, it's brutal. I wish somebody would turn on the switch and get some scoring back here. Okay. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah. Um, look out for running backs. Gus Edwards. I was 12 spots higher than everybody else on Gus Edwards last week, and I was very happy with his performance. Uh, as you can imagine, I'm going to be pretty ranking him pretty confidently again this week. Got an RB21. Tampa Bay, that's not the same run defense they have been in years past right now. And do I expect Gus Edwards to go crazy? No. Do I expect him to get two touchdowns every week? Of course not. But I do expect him to get all the carries inside the five, which with this offense, it will give him the opportunities to get touchdown on a pretty regular basis. Do I need to remind you the reason we all fell in love with J.K. Dobbs in the first place? It wasn't because he was rushing for 100 yards every week. It was because he was scoring touchdowns consistently. And Daniel, maybe you have younger eyes than I do, so you might be able to help me out, actually, with this. When I watch Gus Edwards on Sunday, and keep in mind, I'm a Rutgers person, so I've been watching Gus Edwards' his entire collegiate career through his professional career. So I've been watching him in a long time. He looked like he lost that beer belly he used to have and looked like he was lean and mean when he was out there on the field, something I was not expecting to see. Did you think he looked in physical better shape to you? He did. He looked really great. He looked like he was preparing for his this his entire life for that one game and it, it worked for him and I think with J.K. Dobbins being out he will be a very key aspect of the Baltimore offense obviously Lamar though likes to run it in so don't be surprised if there's a five yards to the end zone and Lamar runs it in instead of Gus Edwards <laughs> Yes, and that, that's part of what you're dealing with. That's why I have an RB21, a low in RB1, a low in RB2, because you're dealing with that fact and the fact that he's not going to catch the ball. All right, uh, I don't want to spend too much time talking on this because it's just, it's just going to infuriate me. 
But Melvin Gordon, Latavius Murray, Mike Boone's out the way. So that's the good news. I don't anticipate Marlon Mack, who they just signed to actually have a significant role. Although, you know, Hackett, <laughs> never say never. Uh, but with Melvin Gordon, should be, should be the guy who takes over the Mike Boone role in the sense of he should be catching the football. Can we have any confidence in being able to play him this week? I do believe he made my graphic. He maybe he did not. Uh, he's up there somewhere. I don't, he's up there. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. See, younger eyes coming into effect right there. Yeah. So I have him at RB3, and that's kind of where I thought I had him ranked at. Can you play him as that flex play? Or you're just like, look, Latavius Murray is getting the goal line work. Nathaniel Hackett can't trust him. His offense can't move the ball. So are you just out on him? I'm pretty out on him, honestly. I actually have him on one of my teams, and I have trusted him week after week, and it has been a mistake. I have had so many players on my bench do better than him that I could have had it in the flex spot. So if you have somebody who has a better matchup or has way more capability than Melvin Gordon, play them, I recommend, because I have been hurt way too many times, and I'm actually going to be benching him this week as well. That's very, very fair. I can't really argue with it. I just I just looked at the data, and the data says he's got to do something, but maybe who not, who knows. I will say this. I will take out every mystical voodoo doll I can possibly find and start puncturing Nathaniel Hackett for him to lose this game, because the rumor is that if they don't beat the Jacksonville Jaguars in London, he could be out of a job come Monday, and I am hoping that is the case. All right. And before you guys say, oh, that's mean. You want somebody to lose their job. Nathaniel Hackett will be just fine. All right. I ain't worried about Nathaniel Hackett in life. He'll be all right. So get out of my way. So that way, guys like Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, uh, even Greg Dolch to some degree, and Melvin Gordon could do what they're supposed to do. But yeah, neither here nor there. Anyway, let's go to the Carolina backfield. So here's what's interesting with them. And, and this ranking, again, I update my rankings throughout the weekend on BillyFantasySports.com. And the reason is for this. You get the early rankings here on the Wednesday night show. And then I usually had them updated throughout the weekend and finalize, you know, before 12 o'clock on, on Sunday. And I just want to point that out because when you look at the Carolina backfield, I got Juba Hubbard ranked at 26 and I got Dante Foreman ranked at 33. And they're not both going to sit there if Hubbard's actually healthy enough to play or if he's not. So this is the analysis I'm going to give. If Hubbard plays, he's the guy you got to play. And that's why I have him ranked over Donta Foreman. Through the first three quarters, outsnapped him 22 to 14 and got the majority of the passing work. Now, Foreman will still get worked in and he'll still be a, you know, emergency flex play if Chuba Hubbard is good to go. And I'll probably move him down a few spots if he does come back healthy. On the flip side, if Hubbard can't go, Dante Foreman will be inside my top 24, might be inside my top 20. Because the one thing I just learned about the Carolina Panthers is that whether it's Christian McCaffrey or one of these backups, apparently they can run block. So what do you think about this back this backfield right now? Yeah, I think it's a very promising backfield. I mean, Hubbard or not, I think there's a lot of potential there for either a flex player or running back two, depending on who you have in your lineup. But I mean, they seem very promising. I hope Hubbard's back because he is great. And I think he's very beneficial for that offense. I think he's a little bit better than Foreman, obviously. But I think I'd easily pick up either one of them if they were open. I said it during the primetime recap and the waiver saver show, which is on Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern every single week. 
pick up both if you could. I mean, Dante Foreman was 35% owned. Chuba Hubbard was 25% owned up to that point because most people thought it was going to be Foreman. And uh, obviously, they're, they're over 50% now. But I said, pick them up both if you can because at the very least, you have a situation where one's active. Great. You know exactly who to play. If not, then you got tradable assets and guys who can play in your flex. So it's not bad to have both of them. Now, if you had the roster spots to be able to do so, maybe not everybody does. Here's another situation that just became a full-blown committee via the coaching staff today. Not that it wasn't trending in that direction already, but we got the Chicago Bears now, David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. Now, on Monday, there was a very much an even split favoring David Montgomery a little bit, as you expect, like a 55-45 split. If everything goes Chicago's way, I do think that's something they want to do. However, and Danielle, this is where we'll unfortunately kick it to you. I don't think they're going to blow out everybody 33 to 14. I don't think that's actually going to be the case. So if that's not the case, David Montgomery is still the pass catching back. He'll still have significantly more value in those games in which he'll have more volume because I expect those game scripts more often than not. But what the heck happened to your Patriots? And what do you think about the Chicago Bear backfield moving forward? I don't think the Bears have an electric offense by any means. This is, it's all false hope. If you think that you're going to put in Montgomery and he's going to have an absolutely amazing game every single week, you're wrong. That was just because the Patriots defense couldn't do anything. That's what I'll say about that for now. I would play Montgomery still, though, if you have to. He will get some reliable points. He did get 12 points against the Patriots, which is pretty good. Nine points the week before that. He can get you a few points here and there. It's not going to be extreme numbers every week, though. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Correct, Amundo. I will say this. If David Montgomery gets hurt, and this is why I've been telling you guys to pick up Khalil Herbert for weeks anyway, he's another guy who could easily become a low-end RB1, at the very least a high-end RB2, because he has that kind of upside, because he's that good as a runner. Uh, but let's go to our wide receivers, our lookout for wide receivers. So Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay. Again, I'm expecting that Bateman will play. But what does that mean? What does that what does that matter right now in the state of this Baltimore passing attack? And, and I have him at wide receiver 29. Now, that's a reflection of Carlton Davis is out. 
Antoine Winfield is out. So you have two back-end secondary players. The big play will be there. Now, this is where I get annoyed with Greg Roman. Rashad Bateman should not be a big play player. He should have the ability to do so, but he should be a possession chain mover. Neither here nor there. Because he is a big play player right now, he has to be a boomer bust wide receiver three guy. And again, we talked about Lamar's got to get back on track. He's on a contract year. He he he, he bet on himself. That was the whole thing this offseason. He's got to get back on track. It needs to happen starting this week. I'm willing to bet on Rashad Bateman getting a big play. He had one nice big play last week. I think he's going to be able to do it again this week with a banged up secondary. So I do have him as a wide receiver three inside my top 30, but maybe I'm being too confident on him. What do you think, Danielle? No, I agree. And I think he, he is a good wide receiver three. He was a good sleeper option in the offseason. We see that he has the potential. The second week he got 20 points, he has that high-end potential. But, I mean, he'll probably realistically get you 7 to 10 points going into this game. But hopefully Lamar has a really good week. Their offense starts producing more, and Rashad Bateman gets more than that because I would not be surprised. He is a very talented wide receiver who can get you way more points than you'd expect. So lock them in. As, as we're, as we're talking, I just had a thought occur to me tomorrow night's game and it's Thursday night game. So we always have this little extra factor that goes with it. It's either going to be as ugly as those 12 to nine, 12 to seven matchups that we had, or all of a sudden both these offenses that we're hoping get back on track, get back on track at the same time. And we got like a 50 to 49 game. Like, it, like I just kind of, that thought just kind of crossed my mind. Like this is going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be really ugly or fireworks are going to happen all over the place at the same time. It will, it yeah. kinda, will be, will be crazy to see. I mean, it's a Thursday night game. So I'm going with probably ugly. Uh, Cortland Sutton, Jerry, Judy, looking out for these guys. Uh, I, I, I don't want to play them. But I do have Cortland Sutton still in my top 24. He's at 23. I do have Jerry Judy inside my top 36. He's at 31. I w- This is what I'll say. If Brett Ripon plays, I have a little bit more confidence in Jerry Judy. He was looking for him a little bit more often. Actually showed the ability to hit him in stride a couple of times. And there's, it's kind of like the Tampa Bay situation. It's, kind of like, it's actually probably more apt to the Steelers situation. There's too much volume to ignore that these two receivers are getting. So that's why they have to come up on the fantasy radar. But you don't feel great about it because you know that, that may not matter. So, Danielle, what do you think about Cortland Sun at 23 and Jerry Judy at 31? If you have them, sure, play them. Because there's probably nobody else that you have better. Do not go searching for them. Do not try trading for them. Nobody is going to pick them up. Somebody in my league keeps trying to get... Jamar Chase for me to get Jerry Judy because that's something I would want to do. Don't don't try trading him. I, most people will not take that because they've seen what has happened this season with the Broncos offense and want nothing to do with it. So if you have them, sure, play them. They'll probably get you a few points, but maybe don't play them if you have way better wide receivers. <laughs> You probably don't have the depth to, to maybe Judy, you have enough depth to not play him. But Cortland Sutton, I doubt yeah. you have enough depth to not play him this week. I do have Christian Kirk at wide receiver 25 on the other side of the ball. And it was nice to see him get back involved. And I thought that he would because he gets to play the slot a little bit more against the Giants. They got to move him around a little bit. 
he does not have a good matchup against the Denver Broncos. And when he moves to a slot, he'll have some opportunities. But whenever he's on the outside, Patrick Tan has been shadowing. I expect him to shadow Christian Kirk. That's why he's outside my top 24 this week. Kind of similar to the Sutton and Judy of it all. You may not have a better player, but just don't expect a big game out of him and maybe put out the rest of your roster construction accordingly to that. But I want to skip over him real quick because I want to talk to you about this, Daniel. I want to talk to you about DJ Moore. DJ Moore. Okay, hold on to your hats. And I got to get the scroll out of the way so you can actually see it. He's my wide receiver 24 on the week. That's the highest DJ Moore has been in three weeks. He has a pulse. He lives. He got 10 targets with Phil freaking Walker as his quarterback. Now, that's the more the point that I want to get into. I don't feel, think Philip Walker's here to stay. And this is why I don't want to get overly excited about DJ Moore this week against Atlanta, even though it is a sweet matchup. That is Atlanta they were playing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to get overly into him because of that reason. Because Philip Walker doesn't belong in an NFL field. I know it happened last week. I know he looked competent against Tampa Bay, and you know the coaching staff was like, oh, we got to stick with him. I think they stick with him because Sam Darnold's not quite ready yet. I don't think they can go back to Baker Mayfield. I told Chris this early in the season. I think this is why Matt Roll lost his job. That team quit on Baker Mayfield. There's nobody they don't want to see under center the least amount than Baker Mayfield. So I think that's out of the question. I think Phil Walker's only there until they feel confident about ramping up Sam Darnold. And then I'll be more confident about DJ Moore. But this week, 24, are you playing DJ Moore? Do you have confidence in him moving forward? I'm playing him. We saw really great things from him last week against Tampa Bay. He's going in against Atlanta. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better matchup for DJ Moore to have a great game. Atlanta Falcons, like, that just seems like a perfection game for him. Obviously, it's probably not going to be as good as that, but he will get some really great points considering the matchup. And they saw what worked last week. They saw that DJ Moore was consistent, can get 19 fantasy points. He was their guy last week. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. They're not going to try looking around and trying new schemes if that worked so well for them last week. He's a foundational player. That's why he can't be traded. So might as well get him the ball in the meantime. All right, let's go to our lookout for tight ends. So Kate Otten is a name I want you guys to keep in mind. I actually have him as tight end 10. He's going to get an opportunity again this week. Last two starts that he's had, he's gotten six targets each of or 12 targets in those two games, averaging six targets a game. Russell Gage is out. Julio Jones is a game time decision. <laughs> yeah, right. That's a joke. He's never going to play. <laughs> Kate Otten could become that third receiver Tom Brady's looking for, and he would love it. Nothing more than for it to be a tight end. This is somebody we thought could be a sleeper coming into the season because of his pathway to playing time with Gronk not coming back. What do you think about Kate Otten this week as a name to look out for? I mean, I like him. And last week he got 10 points in whatever crazy Tampa Bay world that was last week. Tampa Bay looked awful last week, but he somehow got one less fantasy point than Tom Brady did. And that's pretty dang good for a tight end this year. If I'm if I'm in fantasy and I see him out there, I'm grabbing him because he seems to have the most promise and hope of a lot of other tight ends out there. <laughs> uh, the last two look out for guys, Greg Dolchich 
who I'm not as big on this week, and then Dalton Schultz. So Greg Dulch is it look, it's very inefficient his fantasy hopes right now, along with the rest of the Denver team. And if we can't get guys like Courtney Sutton, Jerry Jude the ball, I'm not going to feel all that confident about Greg Dolch. It's getting him the ball on a consistent basis to actually play him. I'd rather you do Kadon, and I'd rather you play Dalton Schultz, who I know if he takes one bad hit in the right location, he's going to be out for the game. I get it. It almost happened last week, but it didn't. And what happened instead? Well, it was a boring five-catch, 45-yard performance. And yet that was still better than more than half the tight ends out there. So Dalton Schultz, as long as he got Dak Prescott at the quarterback position, still has a safety floor, and that's why he's actually at my tight end 17 for the week. I I would rather go with other options because he has zero upside. But uh, you'll get something at a tight end position, and that might be better than most. Okay. Uh, let's Before we get to our be cautious of, we did have a couple comments here while we were talking. Uh Caden, the Colts fan, back at it again. So would you prefer Dak over Tom Brady? Uh, yes, I have Brady at QB9. That pretty much answers that question. And Gitz, if I tell you my team, can you tell me moves? I'm 2-5. and five. Uh, This is why I like to tell everybody who asks this question, because we get this question on a pretty weekly basis now. Hit me up on social media, at BillyUpMDFFShow. Could be on Twitter. Could be on Facebook. I don't care. Just hit me up there. And I will go through your teams with you. I have no problems doing it. I'm not going to do it on the show. I'm not going to do it live on the air. But I will do it with you if you hit us up on social media and help you guys all out. All right, let's get to our be cautious of for the for these matchups here. Be cautious of. We're going to go through this a little bit of rapid fire. Uh, you're not playing Russell Wilson. You're not playing Trevor Lawrence. That London game is going to suck. FYI. Uh, speaking of London, how about Drake London? Drake London is outside my top 36, all the way down to 48. You're benching Drake London. How can you have confidence in playing him right now, even if you have him? I love him. He's a great talent. He showed great promise those first three weeks. It was amazing. Last three weeks, he's a wide receiver, 81. If Marcus Mariota is not allowed to throw the ball more than 15 times in a freaking game, but they're losing by three touchdowns or more, and Arthur Smith's just like, no Cordell Patterson, no Damian Williams, no problem. I'm going to double down the running game anyway. He's having flashbacks to when he was the offense coordinator in Tennessee. He thinks he has Derrick Henry back there, and that's why it's okay to run when you're down three scores. You don't. It's not okay. It's not fun. It's ugly as hell. Not just from a fantasy standpoint, from everybody's standpoint. Arthur Smith, you're you're like here's Nathaniel Hackett, you know, all the way down. I'm gonna be off the screen with this, and then like I'll put Arthur Smith like just just in the screen. A guy I had tremendous respect for, but now you're all the way you're pushing yourself down that totem pole because it doesn't make any sense what you're doing. Drake London, Kyle Pitts are not allowed to touch the ball. If you are this afraid of Marcus Mariota throwing the game even 20 times in a matchup, then just play Desmond Ritter. I'm not a Desmond Ritter fan. I think he stinks. But if you can't have Marcus Mariota throw the ball 15 times, well, maybe that's different with Ritter then. It can't be any worse, so make the switch. Do something. This is horrible. And as a result, Drake London, and I'll just save you the mystery, uh, Kyle Pitts also on my be cautious list. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Yeah. What do you think, Danielle? It's awful in Atlanta. And the fact that you have two most talented offensive players right now out there, you with Kyle Pitts and Drake London, and they're not getting any receptions at all, like one reception a game is absolutely unheard of. Absolutely ridiculous. Marcus Mariota, honestly, is not that bad. I don't love him, but compared to some of the other quarterbacks I have seen, he is not the worst by any means. He can make plays if you trust him enough to throw the ball to Drake London or Kyle Pitts. They are both two amazing receivers who could catch practically anything. So just send the ball to them and it will be okay. And I don't know why that hasn't processed in his mind, considering it worked the first three weeks. You saw how well Drake London did. You saw how well Kyle Pitts did last season. So why would you ruin all of that? It's a nightmare, plain and simple. Uh, I did skip over Justin Fields. You're not playing this week, but I want to keep my eye on Justin Fields. There were some things in that game that I saw that I had not seen Fields do that he finally did on Monday night against the Patriots, and that was actually get to his second read. And I know that sounds like the bar set real low, but frankly, you know what? It is. And because Justin Fields can run the way he does, if he can just do that simple little thing of being able to see his first read to his second read, that will make him a competent enough passer along with his rushing ability that he could be a quarterback asset later on this season, a legitimate one. So I'm not playing him this week because they're playing Dallas, but if I can see him go from his first to his second read again against Dallas or start to show a little bit more improvement, not only will he become on my radar, but Darnell Mooney, who I also have my be cautious lift, he will also become on my radar as a result too. This is actually potentially showing some promise they could get turned around. Now, maybe Maybe Monday was just their Super Bowl of the year. Maybe that's all it winds up being. But that's why we're looking for it, even though I'm not playing him this week. But what did you think on the other side when you're watching your Patriots get beat down of Justin Fields? <laughs> the first thing I looked to my boyfriend and I said, hey, why did Justin Fields decide now was the time to actually start playing good football? <laughs> it decided He decided like, oh yeah, this is the one night that I'll turn everything around and I'm going to play some good football tonight. Because I was watching him chuck it down the field, and they had some immaculate receptions. I was like, what the heck? Like, where did this come from? Like, it, you've been hiding this all this time? Like, he had the potential all this time, and it's just been covered up? It was kind of wild. Um, I don't know if it was just the Patriots' defense is truly awful, or, like, they actually, like, have talent that they haven't been showing us. So... Yeah, I agree. I agree. If we see it a few more times, then I'll believe it fully. I think it might have been a fluke, but there is promise. 
We'll have to see. We want to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got some more matchups to talk about on this Look Ahead Wednesday. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt-to-couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. All right, welcome back in to the show. Thank you for tuning in live on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe, that way you catch all of our content when it becomes available to you. You can also check us out live on bellyup.tv. If you missed an episode, that's okay. Just download the Fox D Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices and look for the Belly Up Sports TV category or just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. Download us on your favorite podcast app. Give us a five-star review. It greatly helps us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Join with my new co-host on Wednesday, Danielle Dubois. Look, we got four more matches to talk about. And we got to go a little bit rapid fire. So hold on your hats. Here we go. Our next four matches we are going to talk about are New England Patriots, New York Jets, Miami Dolphins against the Detroit Lions, the Cardinals against the Minnesota Vikings, and the Raiders against the New Orleans Saints. So let's get right into it. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. You're playing Dalvin Cook. Okay, cool. Good talk. Josh Jacobs. Now, him I want to talk about a little bit. Ranked as the RB1 last week. He did just that. He's been on an absolute tear. He's been amazing. Danielle, my question to you, is he the new RB1 the rest of the season in your mind? We're looking for who that's going to be. Maybe it's an Eckler. Maybe it's a Josh Jacobs. Maybe CMC in a new home. Maybe Jonathan Taylor bounces back somehow. Is But is it Josh Jacobs to you? In my eyes, it's Josh Jacobs. Take it from somebody who drafted Derrick Henry first 
for some reason this year, and that has <laughs> gone completely awry. I mean, he hasn't been awful, <laughs> kind of. But Josh Jacobs, I also drafted. Everybody thought I was insane for drafting him. They said I had an awful draft, and it has come back to bite them all. Josh Jacobs has had an incredible season, putting up 30 points per week in fantasy, which is pretty insane. In my eyes, he's an RB1. I do have Derrick Henry number one this week. That's a reflection of the fact that they're playing Houston. So that, that that's a big that makes a big all the world different. I agree with you. It, it's either him or Saquon Barkley, and the reason why is because those two players are getting all the volume, not just in the running game, but also in the passing game. Something we didn't think we'd be saying about Josh Jacobs, but here we are. While he's been dominating on the running game, he has also been getting about five targets a game since he's gone on this little push here that we've seen him suddenly pop. If that continues, he'll be in that conversation, and I actually trust the Raiders to be able to do what they're doing the rest of the season. Then I do the Giants. The Giants are still frauds. Brian Dable, I crown you, coach, no matter what happens, you're a coach of the year, no matter what. But this can't keep up because the talent's not there. It is a farce. It will crumble at some point. But let's talk about our obvious starts at wide receiver. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle playing Detroit. Top 10 receivers already. Yeah, you're plugging and you're playing them. The guy I want to talk about a little bit more of those on the other side of the ball. So Amon Ross St. Brown. As of right now, do the reporting and what Brian was saying, we do expect him to go on Sunday. But it was funny. I, I was, you know, I listened to things all day long and Somebody was asking me, you know, St. Brown or I think it was T. Higgins. And I was like, well, that should be a no-brainer, right? But people are at the point now because it's been so long since St. Brown's been able to actually be healthy and active and out there and producing the way that he was. They're starting to look at St. Brown as a, a wide receiver, too, rather than what he is, which is a wide receiver one. He is very much a top eight guy. Guys, do not forget the first three weeks of the season. He was a wide receiver four Overall, in half-point PPR leagues, we were starting to call him the next Cooper Cup. Remember? Remember that? I know it's been a little bit. I know he's been banged up. Detroit hasn't been the same. But they're going up against the Miami Dolphins in Detroit. That makes a big deal when it comes to Jared Goff. Amon Ross St. Brown, wide receiver one this week. Wide receiver one the rest of the season. What do you think, Danielle? He is a wide receiver one. Those first three weeks were not a fluke. We saw it last season as well. Nobody picked him up, and they saw how well he did last year. He did amazing last year. He did amazing at the beginning of this season. He did get hurt. He's coming back from an injury, but he has the potential to do well. We know he can. We know he's holding up that Lions offense when he comes back. So he's number one. He is number one. Mo Diesel, am I winning this year? I'm not reading off all your names there. You have a good group of players. And uh, thanks for dropping in and trying to find an opportunity to brag about your team because that's what that was. Uh, we got Justin Jefferson and Devontae Adams. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You play them. You love them. And uh, yep, that's all we got to say. Uh, actually, with that, we can go ahead and just jump right into our lock them in players. Lock them in. It's a lock. I had to continue to lock in Kyler Murray as a top 10 quarterback because we got no other choice, even though as much as I don't want to. Here's the good news on Kyler Murray. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings matchup, that helps. Their defense stinks. And DeAndre Hopkins. Remember last week when I was making fun of him about the fact that DeAndre Hopkins is clearly his safety little blankie that he takes to bed with him in his little crib and sleeps all sound? That's true. Every bit of that is 100% true. 
DeAndre Hopkins had 14 targets. It was the best Kyler Murray had looked as a passer all season long. And yep, I know he didn't do that much as a passer, but kind of like the Justin Fields thing, when you run, you just got to be competent and Hopkins makes him competent. That's why Kyler Murray is sitting at my QB four this week, because I had to put him ahead of Lamar Jackson due to matchup. What do you think, Danielle? Yeah, Kyler Murray seems to be somebody that nobody is talking about this year, and I don't know why, considering looking up his fantasy points, he hasn't had a game less than 13 fantasy points, where a lot of other quarterbacks have been riding the 10 to 11 point train this year, constantly getting 10 points. So you, you got to play him. I mean, there's there's no other choice. When you look at these numbers, they don't lie. I mean, it good matchup for him it's going to be a great week for him don't watch the first half that's why everybody's so pissed off of Kyler and I don't blame him it is so ugly watching him start off games if you want to watch him just play him watch the second half because then that's when all the magic happens all right let's move into our lock him in running backs all right Danielle we're going to get to your backyard now Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris so I talked about this during the primetime recap. I was like, I wound up leaving with more questions than I had previously to because part of it is I'm not sure I can believe my own eyes right now, which is telling me Ramondre Stevenson is a star and telling me that the Patriots actually recognize he's a star and telling me that they're actually going to let him be the lead back. And I don't know that I could actually believe it because it is the New England Patriots. So here's the questions that I have for you. Is he the lead back in your opinion? Was that game just game script why he dominated the backfield? Or is Harris just not quite healthy yet? And that was why. Do you think Harris gets back his old role? Harris, I don't think, is quite healthy yet. But, big but, I don't think that he will be number one even when he is back fully healthy. I think Stevenson just... He's younger. We all know what he can do. He is able to push through as many guys as possible to get that first down. It is insane. You have four guys on him, and he's still dragging them along to get that first down. It's really great to see as a Patriots fan. Davian Harris is still, though, a great option. He will still put up those solid points. He's always going to be a great running back. But for New England, he most likely will be a running back, too, just based off of what we've been able to see Stevenson do. Also, Harris is always kind of dealing with an injury for the past year and a half or so, so I wouldn't be surprised if he goes down later on this season. Totally agree with you. This is my worst-case scenario for Stevenson, best-case scenario for Damian Harris. It's a 50-50 split on the ground, and Stevenson's gobbling up everything through the air. That's the worst-case scenario for him. That would be the best-case scenario for Damian Harris. Just to kind of give you an idea of where this thing should be moving forward. Believe it or not, the Patriots might actually have one solid running back that they'll stick with. It's a miracle. How about the Jets situation? So this is where we go on the Jets side of things with the James Robinson talk. Michael Carter, at least for this week, I do have him as a guy that I want to lock him into your lineups. With Michael Carter, we know that he's going to catch the ball. Because that's just what he does the best out of anything anyway. What I expect this week, especially since it's James Robinson's first week, is it to look something similar to what we saw out of Carter and Brees Hall early in the season, where Carter was getting about you know 55 to 60% of the, uh, the runs and then also getting equal or about 55 to 60% of the passing work. Well, where it will be a little bit different is that with James Robinson's case, I expect Carter to get like 80% plus 
of the pass catching work with 60% of the runs this week. So that's why I got Michael Carter in the lineup. And James Robinson probably more as a desperation flex. How I see this thing playing out, and this is where I'll ask you for your opinion. I think Carter will actually dip back down eventually to about 45% of the carries and still dominate about 70, 75% of the passing down work. Maybe they throw Ty Johnson in there. I don't know. And then James Robinson will kind of just be that guy that he was in Jacksonville earlier on the season. First, second down goal line work. Is that what you see? I can 100% see that. And for fantasy-wise, the receiving back aspect of a running back is very, very, very valuable. When you get those running backs that can catch it and then run 10, 15 yards down the field, that is really what you want for fantasy points. So ultimately, if I were to choose one, I'd probably choose Carter along that train. But obviously, we don't know how that offense is going to mush. We don't even know if Robinson's going to do super great in the Jets world. I feel like he probably will. But I agree with you. Here's one caveat I'm going to throw out there. Vera Tucker on the IR. That offensive line has taken some beatings. We This might not be the same offensive line we saw with Brees Hall, who is already using his big playability to make things happen to begin with. So just keep optimism in check, but there are things to look out for. Uh, Raheem Mostert, DeAndre Swift, lock them into your lineups. Mostert's been great. Swift, if he plays, he's got to be in there. The guy I want to talk about a little bit is Alan Kamara. Now, he's, you're locking him in your lineup, and I do have him as a top 12 running back this week. But um, as I usually do in my fashion, I got to go a little bit of a tangent. So the first thing is this. Why is he not allowed to catch the ball in the first half? Someone please explain this to me. He had two targets in the first half of that game. Now it's blown out and the game's well in hand. Oh, yeah, he gets the other seven targets. He wants to put nine on the day, so you're not that mad about it from a fantasy standpoint. But if you watch the game, to watch him rip off runs and for Mark Ingram to come in for two more snaps after that, to not let him get in rhythm. It doesn't make any sense what the Saints are doing with their usage without Kamara, who is their best offensive weapon, especially in the receiving game. And why that doesn't happen earlier, so don't fall into traps like they did against Arizona. So I had to get that off my chest. The actual fantasy analysis to go with this is that it sounds like Andy Dalton is going to be the starting quarterback. And from what I'm hearing with reports, it's not just because Jameis Winston's banged up. It's because they're going to still stick with Andy Dalton. That shocked the hell out of me. Because if you're going to turn the ball over anyway, why not go with the guy who at least gives you some upside? But it sounds like the coaching staff is sold on Dalton and not on Jameis Winston. That should help out Kamara, not just this week, but the rest of the season. But what do you think, Danielle? Yeah, I agree. I think Andy Dalton is way more... I guess, aware of Kamara's talent than Winston. Ever since Drew Brees left that offense, Kamara has not been his usual self. We saw it with Drew Brees. We saw that one game where he got like six touchdowns. He has unreal potential as a running back. And to see him fall so far down the list, he is still great. But he doesn't have that kind of rhythm that he used to have with Drew Brees and I think Andy Dalton is way more aware of his talent and way more likely to get him those runs yeah totally totally agree and by the way for Chris Olave who I also have him as my lock him in for this week even when Thomas gets back we think Chris Olave is going to lead the way as number one receiver I also lock in Darren Waller if obviously he's going to be out there and playing if not Foster Moreau very good streaming option. Let's get into our lookout for players, though. 
Look out for. So to attack Lavoa, I'm very high on him this week, but I do have some questions about maybe not just this week, but the rest of the season in, in, in general. So he comes in my QB six. This is definitely matchup driven against Detroit first and foremost, and how great receivers he has. We can just catch the short ones and break them. But that's kind of my point. The one thing I saw during the Pittsburgh game, when they only put up 16 points against what was also a great matchup on paper heading into that game, are they too conscious about getting the ball out of Tua Tagliavoe's hands quickly now? With everything with the concussions going on, afraid to get him hit at the moment, afraid to tack on even more wear and tear because they don't want to go back to Teddy Bridgewater. They don't want to go back to Skylar Thompson. Are they being too conscious of it? Because what I saw in that Pittsburgh game was an offense that was like, we're afraid to get our quarterback hit. That then takes away from any deep play opportunities. You're completely reliant on the run after catch ability of a Tyree kill and a Jalen Waddle. It's not that they can't do it, but if that's going to be the case, that will limit some of the upside of him and of the wide receivers. So Danielle, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Or do you think eventually it'll be just fine? Like it was the first couple of weeks of the season. I am seeing what you're seeing, and I think it will eventually get better. Time heals things, and hopefully that agrees with the Dolphins. I think Tua, obviously he did have a really good game back after what has happened with him. I was very impressed with the way he played, but as you said, he did not have that deep ball as he usually does because he was just trying to get it off quick, and I feel like that's also partially the coaches being like, hey, you you really, we got to keep you as safe as possible. We can't go down a whole another rabbit hole of getting investigated and everything. We're trying to cover up too much over there. So I feel like they're trying to figure out their stuff there, but I think it will go back to their normal offense. Give it a week or two, but I think he should go back to normal. Arizona's defense has been pretty good as of late, or at least better anyway. But I do still have Kirk Cousins right now at my QB8, and he'll likely move up once I'm able to correct the Jameis Winston of it all, who I thought was going to be a starting quarterback, as you saw in the graphic. I have him at QB7. I digress. Kirk Cousins sitting at my QB8 right now. Look, he has not gone off yet. This offense has not gone off yet. Do they get things clicking coming off the bye week? I think there's a real chance for that. Remember, Cousins, he typically starts off the season slow. But even under Mike Zimmer, he would have four, five, six-game runs where he starts throwing for 300 yards and a couple of touchdowns on a pretty consistent basis. That's supposed to be the case with this offense. The whole reason why we thought Cousins had a shot to finish inside the top 12 coming into the season. So, Danielle, starting this week, even against Arizona, do you think the Minnesota Vikings are going to take a step up, or are they just are what they are to this point? I think they have a lot of potential, and I think they can take the next step up and I think it will happen since they have had the bye week. They've rested. They have so much potential with feeling. Cousins is not a bad quarterback by any means. I have him as a backup quarterback. And honestly, I've started him some weeks over Brady because he has been pretty consistently good. Other than week two, he's put up very consistent numbers. So I think they'll start to get back on track. I don't think they'll have a bad week by any means this week. But I think after a week or so, it should be an electric offense. Tend to agree. Let's get into our running backs. Uh, it's actually real simple for our running backs. We got Jamal Williams. Obviously, his value fluctuates as far as DeAndre Swift's availability. If he is available, Williams is still a touchdown dependent 
RB3, though, he can still be considered in the top 36 because he does still get the goal line work. And I guess the same can be said for Tyler Algier, although I want to pluck my eyes out every time I think about trying to play him at RB31, but he kind of falls into the same boat as we just saw this last week. I want to skip ahead to the wide receivers. We got Jacoby Myers. Now, Mac Jones apparently is going to start this week now. He got 90, what was it, 90% of the first team reps was the uh, report today. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot for Jacoby Myers because Mac Jones looks for him quite a bit and will look for receivers down the field a bit more than Zappy will. So do you have a little extra confidence in Myers this week with Mac Jones starting? Um, a little bit. I think the there's no clear, real, like, number one guy in New England. Obviously, I think Myers, I'd like to say, is that guy. But they still really don't know what's working with what their offense and what not. I don't think Mac has a number one guy. If Jacoby Myers is open, he'll most likely go to him. But it's kind of a whoever Mac Jones feels like passing to that day is not really a good rhythm or science there. So I'm a little bit iffy on taking any Patriots wide receivers. But if you were to grab one, Jacoby Myers is your guy because he is the most consistent. Uh, Thielen is inside the top 36 as a touchdown dependent wide receiver three. Like he typically is, he's not moving the needle, but here's what I will say. He'll likely get the matchup on Byron Murphy more because they move Justin Jefferson inside outside with more frequency. So keep your eye on that too. Uh, the guy I want to get into are tight ends, TJ Hawkinson. I do want to highlight him a little bit outside of one big week. That's been it. Even with St. Brown banged up. Now, I know Hawkinson in his own right has been a little bit injured and dealing with stuff, and maybe he hasn't been 100% healthy, and maybe that's part of it. I don't know. But he had the first two weeks where he had seven targets. He had the really, really big week where pretty much nobody else was left, and he did his job, and he went off that week. Outside of that, four, four, five, last week against the Dallas Cowboys. If there's nobody else besides St. Brown, and there's no DeAndre Swift, why can't he get the volume? Yeah, I I really don't know. I'm not high on TJ Hawkinson at all. We saw that one great game against Seattle. Doesn't mean anything. I feel like everybody has one great game, no matter who you are. I would not start TJ Hawkinson. Obviously, it's an awful tight end year, but unless you're really forced to, then you can play him. Well, that's the question, because you drafted him to be a top 10 tight end, and I'm yeah. I'm kind of giving him one of those... This is it's this week, make it or break it. And I'm ranking him aggressively at tight end three. Now, the Miami Dolphins are terrible at tight end with, against the tight ends, which is why he's up so high. The volume should be there. Josh Reynolds is banged up. DeAndre Swift, even if he's out there, that's never really been a hindrance as far as Hawkinson getting to about that seven target mark. So I'm giving him a make it or break it week. The matchup dictates it as such. you got to play TJ Hawkinson, I think, this week. If he doesn't do it this week, then he becomes every bit of the same guys we've been talking about from the 10 to 18 range, and you'll just put him out there on a long line of streamers, unfortunately, because you spent the draft capital on Hawkinson to be a top-six guy, but he's just not getting the ball. Taysom Hill. I was like, can I just leave it at that? Taysom Hill. This should just be a punchline at this point. Yep. Uh, he might get a touchdown. He might do nothing. There you go. There's your analysis. I hate Taysom Hill. Let's get to our be cautious of players. Be cautious of. Be cautious of Mac Jones. Be cautious of Zach Wilson. Because of Jared Goff. I know he's home, 
Now, I said there's a home road split, and there is. But there's also a secondary problem with Goff, and that is defenses who blitz give him a lot of issues. That's all the Dolphins do. So that's why I'm a little bit trepidatious on Jared Goff, and I believe I have him at QB 14 this week. Yes, I do. So I have him just outside the top 12. I know people look at him as a streamer, but I'm not going to do it this week. What do you think, Danielle? Yeah, it's not looking like the best matchup for him as somebody who as somebody who watches a team that plays the Dolphins twice a year. Um, I'm always afraid for my quarterback's life. And when we played our first week against Miami, I was almost certain that Mac Jones was going to die. So maybe don't start off this week. He almost did. Uh, yeah. Don't play Andy Dalton. And moving on to the wide receivers. So I know Corey Davis is hurt, and he's likely going to be out this week. That doesn't mean Zach Wilson suddenly throws the ball more, and that's ultimately what you need for guys like Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson to get back going again. It's a wait-and-see thing for me. If Elijah Moore is out there on your waiver wires, pick him up. They want him to be involved in this offense. Wait and see what happens. I'm not looking to play them this week. It's a wait-and-see option to see if they'll actually play Zach Wilson or let Zach Wilson throw the ball more now that Brees Hall is out. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I think the the move to bring in James Robinson indicates to me that they want to continue to try to win with defense and running the football, which means the volume is still not going to be there for these guys, but we'll have our eye out on it. You're not playing Hunter Renfro. Everything I said about him, the pre-draft process, is exactly what's been playing out. If there's anybody with a pulse who's good on the field, just has to be one. doesn't have to be both. Either you need an Adams or you need a Waller. He's not targeted. Plain and simple. So enough with the Hunter Renfro love already. And yeah, you're not playing Pitts. We already talked about that. So, Danielle, let's go ahead and jump into the mailbag segment. The mail's here. If you ever want to get on the mailbag segment, all you got to do is up on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. I'll answer any question you have. I'll help you guys out with your teams, and I'll pick a few favorite ones to put out on here. So, uh, Danielle, you want to read these off? Yeah. So our first question is from Nameless. And we, <laughs> um, the question is, drop Drake London for Josh Palmer. I'm not quite there yet. All right, I, I still the the upside for London is still higher. Maybe they do make a quarterback switch. Maybe Mariota does a little ball a little bit more. He still has more talent. I know it's tempting right now because Mike Williams is supposed to be out for at least four weeks. Could be four to six weeks. We'll have to see. And he's also been an insurance policy for Keenan Allen. But we've seen him have his opportunity, and he can provide a PPR floor. But that's about it. I don't know. What, what would you do? Yeah, I would keep Drake London. I do have Drake London on the bench of one of my teams in the hopes of something changing in the Atlanta Falcons offense. As a player, I like Drake London a lot more than Josh Palmer, let alone like the rest of their offensives. Just them as a player, I like Drake London a lot better. And hopefully Marcus Mariota is trusted more or they put in a new quarterback or figure out what they're doing in Atlanta because Drake London, I would definitely keep. What's the next question? Next question is from Jab09123. Trade Dalvin Cook for Michael Pittman. No. Why is this even in consideration? This is why I had to put this out there. He's getting a new quarterback change. We, I've seen people think that it's an improvement. I've seen people talk about how it's not going to be an improvement. Either way, 
you got to wait and see. And why are we talking about trading Dalvin Cook for any wide receiver unless it's, you know, Stephon Diggs or Cooper Cup themselves? Have you guys not taken note of the lack of depth at the running back position this year? If you have an RB1, you have gold. Dalvin Cook is way too good for that trade. I would not make that. I feel like I don't really need to explain more because it's Dalvin Cook compared to Michael Pittman. So, Yeah, so top us off, will you? Uh, is Edward asks, it is, is OBJ worth a roster spot? Yeah, so I, I put this question in there because I figured I, I finally had to uh, address the elephant in the room. Uh, that is OBJ. And I'm in a multiple leagues where I'm just watching people pick him up and drop him, pick him up and drop him. Like he's somehow this like fantasy cheat code is going to help them win leagues at the end of the year. He's four weeks away from even being medically cleared to practice. Whatever team he winds up with, and it won't be the Rams, so it will be a different team, who will have to learn a new scheme while getting ramped up from the fact that he hasn't been practicing on the field at all from a physical standpoint. Remember, that's the big difference. He was playing in Cleveland the whole time last year. He was in football shape. He's got to get in football shape, learn a new system, get chemistry with a new quarterback. I don't know why we think OBJ is going to be anything for fantasy football. If he has any value whatsoever, it won't be till the NFL playoffs, not for your team playoffs, right? Yes, I I 100% agree. And most likely, if OBJ goes anywhere, it's going to be a team with already amazing offensive talent. The Bills have been one of those names thrown out there, and they are not going to target OBJ more than Stephon Diggs. So that will not help you at all on fantasy-wise. So I agree. Do not pick him up. I'll take it one further. They won't target him more than Gabriel Davis. So it just it's not it is not going to happen. But that's going to do it for our show. We'll be back tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Eastern, or at least I will, with Chris Dauhauer and Brian Scott, because it will be the Clairvoyant Thursday, the second half weekly preview. We will make sure we have our money cashing and going for Friday. We have the Cashing Friday show with Chaz Filardi. This week, we have a special on Sunday morning at 11 a.m., me and Chris, we're doing the MD's Monstar Team of the Year midseason awards. Talk about some all-time guys. We'll do some star sick questions. We're not usually live on Sunday mornings, but we will this week. A nice little Halloween special that we're going to introduce and see how things go. So make sure you check that out. That'll be live on our YouTube channel. Subscribe. Uh, maybe we'll make it available to our podcast. We're available everywhere there. Make sure you download us there. And great first show out of Danielle here. So happy to have her for every Wednesday from now on to eternity. She never gets to leave now. (laughs) I'm never leaving. (laughs) Guys, we'll see you tomorrow night, everyone. Take care. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.